Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's explanations with Dr. Doe. This is such a special episode. It's episode 33, and I have asked Callie, who is usually with headphones on across the room, recording the podcast to come and sit down with me and talk about sex, and I'm so excited. Hi, guys. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> this is going to be so weird for me. I'm so used to not saying a word during these, and I was just like, I have to say everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy. So... Sexplanations podcast was this idea. It even started before Sexplanations, the show of just having a talk show where I would bring up sex topics and we'd go through them. And then we had this anniversary coming up. What are we going to do for it? Okay, we're going to have a podcast and we want to put it together so that it comes out on the four-year mark. And we didn't know how it was going to happen. And then you, like through contracting or something, are now in my life, <laughs> and I'm so happy about it. We don't know each other mm-hmm. outside of this room, mm-hmm. but you just sit here quietly and <laughs> laugh and listen to me have all these conversations, and I <laughs> am so excited to interrogate you. Yeah. I think I think it was like a little bit after Christmas, like we were just talking about like, oh, what we did over Christmas, and I was like, oh yeah, me and my boyfriend just stayed in town, and Lindsay's like, you have a boyfriend? <laughs> I know nothing about you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah, I think the Sexplanations podcast started like maybe two weeks after I started working at Cinema. So it was one of the first things wow. outside of Crash Course that I did for Complexly. So it was definitely going like out on a limb, meeting all these new people, having to be very professional. And like now it's just like, you know, it's good. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> tell me about you. Where are you from? Um, I, well, I guess I'm from Missoula now because I've been here (laughs) almost a year, but I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I have a degree in audio production. I do audio things for Michael Aranda's company. And you did Crash Course as a contract project? Um, most of what I do at Cinema is stuff for Complexly. Mm -hmm. So I do the sound design for Crash Course Sociology, Crash Course Film, and SciShow Kids, and PBS's Eons. What does sound design mean? All the sound effects in it and mixing it all together so it sounds good. Fancy. <laughs> so are you technically a sound design person for Sexplanation Podcast? Uh, this is less sound design and more mixing and editing and recording, but yeah. So what would your title be? <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. I think the best title is just audio engineer because it just covers everything. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. So you are the audio engineer for Sexplanations Podcast, Mm -hmm. and I am a clinical sexologist who does the YouTube channel, and now we get to collaborate and make this unscripted show. I would like it if I could ask you some questions from episode, I don't even know what it is. It's the the seventh of the Ask Lindsay episodes, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of feisty. Is this the one where you got a lot of questions about homeopathy? Yeah. I think I watched yeah. that one after you told me what episode I'd be on. And I was like, wow, this is about a lot of stuff that I know nothing about. That's okay. I have framed it so it will work for us both. So basically, we were, what are we now? We're in December? No. What month is it? January? January. <laughs> Almost February. Almost February. Wow. So we had been doing this show for six months by then, and there were areas where people were controversial with us of, like, allies is not 
what A stands for in LGBTQA, and homeopathy isn't an option for treating herpes, and how dare you talk about Dan Savage on the show. And I just took that opportunity to put all of those controversial points into one episode and just address them and then be done with them. But I think that there are clearer questions that come from that, which I will just ask you because I want to know what you think. Shall we? Okay. So um, before that, though, quick shout out to Donna Flint, Paul Nixon, and the Millers because they've been so incredible for supporting this show and other people pledged at the boss level. You've been awesome. The people pledged at other levels than bots, just anybody who watches Sexplanation, shares it, likes it, listens to the podcast, shares it, likes it, you have a special place in my heart. So first question, what do you think about saying bisexuality versus pansexuality as a sexual orientation? Um, I think for the most part, from what I could tell the consistency was, was that bi and pan generally mean the same thing. Mm-hmm. Because they both mean sex with multiple genders or sexual attract into multiple to multiple genders. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of up to the individual to decide which label they feel more comfortable with. So, like, in my opinion, they're entertain- interchangeable, but I will mostly use bi when I mean bi or pan. Because you have a preference? I just know a lot of bi people, and mm-hmm. they tend to use the word bi, but they don't specify two genders. They specify all genders. Yeah. But like we're so used to using bisexual as a term, they mm-hmm. just continue to use that one. I really like how people have maintained the two idea of bi by saying the same gender as me and then other genders. Yeah. I think it would be cool if we could all switch to pan and maybe everybody acknowledged having pansexual orientation. <laughs> but I, I also agree with you. I think that bi is more prevalent. Mm-hmm. And so it's much more often used by the people I know. Okay, next question. What does it mean to you to be an ally? Do you identify as an ally? Oh, yeah. Okay. For the most part, I mean, it's just mostly just listening to other people's experiences and Mm. being there for them support-wise anytime they need support for anything, I guess. Oh, I like (laughs) it. Yeah, listening is so huge. I think people believe that there needs to be some sort of action that they take Mm -hmm. or activism. And at least for me, when I am trying to be an ally, a good one, uh, a thoughtful ally, it's listening and holding space for people to do what they need to do to to have their own voice rather than being the voice for them. But Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think especially in recent years, it's for me, it's been more of just like learning about people who have different experiences than I do in the world or identify differently than I do and recognizing that my opinion probably isn't as important in those situations Mm. but it's good to like have a knowledge about these areas and so you can develop more empathy for people that aren't like you so you can help support their causes and stuff and advocate for them Mm -hmm. what about when you felt strongly about your allyship to others well, one of my best friends from college is a lesbian, but we, well, we grew up in the same area mm-hmm. and then went to college together. And so, you know, I mostly just like was there for her and supported her whenever she had to deal with straight people's bullshit <laughs> about her orientation, especially people from home who don't quite, quite get it mm-hmm. or her family. So just being there for her and listening to her stories and like, you know, helping her stay safe if she needed to stay safe, I think is very important. Yeah. 
I've had multiple people who have like when I'm friends with them have had to come out to their family as like trans or bi or gay. Mm-hmm. And like it's mostly just like giving them a space to vent to me about their issues and their problems and giving them advice or support if they feel like they need it, I think is the most important thing you could do. Oh, Callie, you're <laughs> such a badass. It's not I feel like I'm like, you know, the bar is like here and I'm like barely going over the bar. But mm-hmm. like so many people don't that it's like a big deal for some people, I guess. It doesn't feel like I'm doing that much. Oh, to- I mean, yes. I think that it should be the standard to mm-hmm. just be an awesome person. But I also want to compliment you and say that it, I don't take for granted the fact that you're sex positive, clearly, you know, because I didn't hire you. I don't directly work with the company you work with. You're contracted. And they, they said, OK, here's Callie. She sits at this table. She wears these headphones. She turns on the mic. She makes sure that the stuff goes up. And I just trust that you will curate my voice and the voice of our guests to the best of your ability and to to do good. And it's so cool to know that not only do you do that job well and you take good care of us, but the inside it's congruent with your beliefs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really helpful that like everything I work on for cinema and for Complexly is stuff that I like I care about and believe Aww. in and agree with. But like on the other end of the, th- the conversation, audio production is inherently a service industry mm-hmm. where almost everything we work on is not our own work. It's for other people. So like you kind of have to like remove your own beliefs from that and just produce a product that your client wants out there. So like even if I wasn't super sex positive, I would still edit your content in a way that promoted your beliefs on the topic because it's your podcast. All I am is the tool that um, helps get your beliefs out in the medium that you desire it i'm just here to make sure it sounds as good and entertaining as it possibly can be (laughs) and my my opinions on whatever you say has nothing to do with any of it essentially if i tried to edit your podcast in a way that reflected how i felt about things Mm -hmm. i would not be doing my job as an audio engineer well that sounds like a really hard job it can be if you don't like the things you work on. But like, <laughs> I'm I'm really lucky that I ended up at a at a company where I'm like, yes, I agree with all of our content and all the stuff we're putting out. So I don't have that moral conflict inside me very much. So has there ever been something though where you maybe it wasn't a moral conflict, but where you felt stretched or pushed in terms of what you were hearing or what you needed to cut together? Um. Here, you don't have to talk oh, about other like places, but here, like on yeah. Sexplanations, I feel like we've had so many guests with so many thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, um, we, you know, we've talked about oral and fluids and anal, etc. I mean, my personal philosophy on life is like, as long as you're not hurting yourself or anybody else, just do whatever you want, <laughs> essentially. It's <laughs> like... Like, if you want to make yourself happy or make other people happy, happy or live in the service of others, like, just do do what you feel like you should be doing with your life. As long as you're not hurting yourself or anyone else, I'm okay with it. So, like, all of your guests, they all seem to be, like, good people who don't want to hurt other people. Yeah. So like, that's because they're my friends, <laughs> too. <Yeah. laughs> they're just cool people. <laughs> I've made the joke before that I'm going to meet every single person that Lindsay knows exactly once because they're all <laughs> going to be on the podcast. But, yeah, the only... One that was like hard for me to edit was the one with your uncle, who's the minister from Kansas. Oh, yeah. Because you talked a lot about like 
LGBTQ stuff, but from the Christian standpoint, mm-hmm. and like I grew up in that environment. So everything he said was stuff I've already heard a thousand times and was just like ah, super draining on the soul, essentially, oh. just to hear that perspective. And I have to hear every podcast like three times. So like having ah. here over and over again, I was just like, I'm real tired of <laughs> hearing these arguments that I don't agree with. But, you know, it's not my podcast. So I just suffered through it and got it back to you. You did a great job. You did a great <laughs> job. I think that one could have been hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially if I hadn't worked so hard to understand the overlap of religion and sex positivity. And so... I don't know. I think what I took away from it is that he has his beliefs the same way that I do, but he prioritizes people's ability to have autonomy and choose for themselves what they want. Mm -hmm. Like he can say, Mm -hmm. this is a sin, whereas I can say, this is independence or free choice Mm -hmm. or whatever. But we, I think we both come together in the idea that like ultimately you do what you want and there will be consequences or there won't depending on whether or not Christianity is real yeah i I agree that 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 podcast could have gone in an entirely different direction but like you two seem to do very well on keeping it on track and keeping it civil which i really appreciated yeah and i you know on the sexplanations youtube channel i did an interview with my friend ben who is uh, he identifies as Christian and he is waiting until marriage to have sex and he's waiting until I don't even think he will ever masturbate. And so I, I always talk about how concerned I am for his physiological being, but he can meet me and have tea and talk and and understand and discuss whether or not G- Jesus was sexually active and go into those conversations because we both have the mutual respect for one another to say, yeah, like – I masturbate all the time. You don't ever masturbate, but we agree that the intention of Christianity, at least when it's well-meaning, is that we're just kind to each other. Yeah, definitely. Like, I grew up in the Christian community, and, like, I don't super identify as Christian anymore, but, Mm -hmm. like, it's less that, like, I don't agree with Christianity as a whole. It's just, like, I've seen a lot of bad stuff come out of the church, and I don't want to be a part of that kind of Christianity anymore. But, like, definitely on a whole, Christianity is just, like, be kind to each other and treat each other like people and do unto others as you be done unto you, Mm -hmm. for sure. I still have a lot of Christian friends, and most of my family is still Christian, and we can still have conversations about stuff. And, it like, again, my whole philosophy is do whatever you want with your life. So if you want (laughs) to wait till marriage, I'm totally okay with that. You know, it's, it's your body, your choice. Yeah, just don't impose it on me. Yeah. Please. It's when when other people get really preachy to others telling them that they're sinning and it's wrong for them to have sex before marriage that I get a little bit more uncomfortable with that. Oh, yeah. I I think there is nothing that has done more harm to sexual health than religion easily mm-hmm. for that reason because there's so much shame that comes out of it. So many misconceptions like full on lying And, uh, yeah, there is definitely a space for me to have enlarged resentments toward religious groups like Christianity. But I want to meet people that have different points of view and have healthy conversations with them wherever possible. Mm -hmm. I don't want this podcast to turn into like a 
weird religion bashing thing. <laughs> no, it's I not. I'm no, hoping that's not how we're coming across. No, but. we're good. All right. So next question. Any benefits of sex that you thought we missed in the last the episode that we did about it? I think that one was the one with Peter Musser. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. It's been a while since I've listened to that one. Yeah. I mean, the biggest benefit that I have found for myself is intimacy. Like, I'm currently in a sexual relationship with the person that I'm probably going to marry. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like our relationship, our relationship progressed really, really quickly. Like, we started dating in October and then moved together to Missoula in, like, May. So, like, five months into the relationship, we had to make the decision to be like, okay, are we breaking up or are we moving halfway across the country together? Wow. So, I feel like our relationship progressed that quickly because through, not only through sex, but through other things, but especially through sex, I he proved to me that I could trust him and that he cares about me and my well-being and is willing to put that before his own wants and needs. Mm. So like, <laughs> I, love it. I felt like I was able to trust him more and trust him faster and, you know, know he's a good person. Wow. And then we moved in like six months into the relationship, which is a lot faster than I thought I would ever progress in any relationship. But it worked out. Yeah. And it sounds like it's still going really well. Mm hmm. What does mm-hmm. he think of the podcast? Oh, he loves it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this episode is dedicated to you, good sir, <laughs> and all of your consideration for Callie. Oh, that's really sweet. I love hearing that. Any other benefits of sex you can think of that we, I don't, I mean, that was a pretty comprehensive list. Yeah. Did we mention stress relief? Mm-hmm. Okay. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bored. Entertainment. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Okay. What about your thoughts on Dan Savage? Do you know who Dan Savage is? is. Okay. I the only thing I know about him is from when you did that podcast with Shandy. Maybe Shandy. Yeah, Shandy about the hump. um, Yeah, y'all talked about hump fest. That's film festival. All I know. Okay, so I will give you the the best biography that I can. But I don't know a ton about Dan either. I first came across him, oh gosh, I don't even know. He did come to Missoula once and did a presentation at our big theater, the Wilma. Uh, Or no, he was on campus for that one. And his format was to have people write on sheets of paper questions. And then he just takes this huge stack and goes through them. And beforehand, there was this reception. I was invited to it. I met him. He was very friendly, did this presentation. It was excellent. I was so impressed by somebody being able to answer questions on the spot like that. And uh, he's very charismatic and also real. He's, He's not looking to please anyone in the audience. He's looking to give you the hard kind of sharp response that you may need in order to change your behavior. So there's a little bit of snarky humor to it. Mm -hmm. And he has multiple books, podcast. um, His podcast is something that I don't listen to. Um, I have a hard time with podcasts. I think you know this. Um, Sexplanations podcast I only listen to to preview before (laughs) it goes up. And otherwise, it's just hard for me to hear things without the visual component. Um, But I did his podcast one time, and it was a a unique and lovely experience. His staff was very kind, and he was 
really kind, clearly a pro at what he does. Um, what else do I know about him? So there's this man named Rick Santorum who is a politician that has very anti-gay perspectives. And in order to kind of stick it to him, Dan Savage proposed that the world at large come up with a new meaning for Santorum. And so he had a coining contest to redefine Santorum, and people did that. And I think what they came up with was like the frothy, seminal, luby, whatever, the, the luby anal matter that comes out from the anus post-anal sex. So that's now Santorum. Santorum. Um, just, yeah, really feisty controversial. I think people didn't like that I mentioned him in the episode because he has not always been super trans supportive. Mm, yeah. And I don't know what his position is now, but I do think that he is one of the most sex positive pioneers out there. And that if I had to guess, I would say he has definitely come down on the right side of history with trans issues. And I, it's my responsibility to look that up and point it out. But I'm just saying... What he has given is really amazing. There's this concept of price of admission, which I really like, which is that if you are in a relationship wondering whether or not to leave, you think about what the price of admission is. Are there five or fewer things that piss you off? And are you willing to just deal with those in order to stay in the relationship? Like that is the price of admission. That is what you pay in order to get the rest of the greatness. So yeah, controversial guy. I don't have strong feelings either way. I mean, I guess I would have to know what the bad stuff that he's done. What's his position to get on my, trans issues? Yeah. yeah, mostly just to get my opinion on him. Because usually if someone's like, I don't think trans people are people, I'm going to be like, well, you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but I do understand that like trans issues ha were not super in the public eye until recently. So like a lot of people were okay with making trans jokes like 10 years ago because no one knew any trans people. And now it's less of an okay thing well I mean it never was an okay thing to do but like now people are finally starting to learn and realize oh trans people are people with feelings and maybe we should not be dicks to them yeah so like I think there's a level of forgiveness you can have for people if they're just growing and learning and learning from their mistakes and apologizing for like the shitty things they've done in the past because we've all done shitty things in the past mm -hmm. but like if you're you know if it's 2018 and you're still refusing to own up to your mistakes, then I'm, I'm less likely that's to be forgiving awesome. towards you. Yeah. And I think that that's where we're all going to need to get in order to just survive life. Because if we blacklisted people for just being shitty and having it on record because social media documents everything, then we're going to run out of people. Everybody's going to be on that list mm -hmm. because we are human and that is part of being a human. I, I have been shitty in relationships. I have been, you know, I was a horrible adolescent girl to my mother. I, I'm sure I did horrible things. I, I pooped in diapers. You know, like, that's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody had to clean up that mess. But as long as I learned to go to the bathroom and the toilet and I learned to use my words carefully and kindly and my intentions for the context are good, then to me, that's how you measure a person, mm -hmm. not by what they have done. I mean, I grew up in rural Missouri, so like I've changed my opinions on most everything oh. at this point. Because, you know, I grew up in white, middle class suburbia. 
And now I'm like, okay, now I'm okay with gay people and trans people and learning more about racial issues. So it's like, I feel like we need to give everyone the space to grow up and learn from things. Mm -hmm. But if they have proven that they refuse to grow up and change their behavior, then maybe we should just cut them out, you know? Yeah. It's a weird line to balance between because you have to figure out how much space you're willing to give people to grow and change and not wanting like you need to give people space to do that but you also don't want to let them take advantage of that yeah right yeah yeah it's, yeah. it's a very complicated issue but yeah i'm thinking about um a twitter incident with hank green he posted something about talking with some sort of voice in fifth grade and oh yeah i, I remember this. do you remember what the voice was yeah i don't think he specified what voice it was he just said it was a dumb voice and his teacher was like maybe don't do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then there is a ton of popularity with the tweet so much that it motivated him to respond later that he was actually older, that it was like seventh or eighth grade. I think maybe ninth grade. Yeah. 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 And I I have mixed feelings about it because I was like, oh, that was weird that you weren't honest in the first place. Okay, you're human. And that is so impressive that you are willing to come back and tell the truth. I mean, I can understand him not wanting to say how old he was in the first tweet <laughs> because it was like at fifth grade, that's a little embarrassing, but understandable. At ninth grade, that's just weird. <laughs> but yeah, I can. It, it was very good of him to be honest about it, even when he didn't need to be. Yeah. <laughs> Hank, we're going to think that you're weird no matter how old you are. And that's what we love about you. I've met Hank a total of twice. So I really hope he never listens to this. (laughs) Sorry I called you weird. I like your stuff. (laughs) Oh, I think it's a compliment. It's wonderful. So on here, I just searched trans Dan Savage. And I'm just going to read the titles, which don't really tell us anything. But This is what's out there. With allies like these, the Dan Savage edition. Dan Savage still mad about being called transphobic. Fuck no, Dan Savage. Savage love letter of the day. Cis woman mistaken for trans. uh, Let's see. Heads up, trans activists. Did Dan Savage deserve to be glitter bombed? Why do some people dislike Dan Savage? So there's a ton of knowledge out there that that I would like to investigate. But I do believe that Dan has done a a ton of incredible stuff for sex positivity. And if I had to guess, I would say that he will move with our understanding of gender and sexual orientation and that if anything, he doesn't believe that where we're at right now is where we're going. And that's my opinion of things as well, is that I don't think that our concept of gender is completely understood and we're just in transition to a, a greater understanding of our identities. I hope no one is misunderstanding my intent in what I'm saying. Ready for another question? Sure. What is love? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. If I had the confidence to sing, that's where that would have gone. But... (laughs) Oh, I don't have a good answer for this. That's okay. It's a mixture of feelings and choice is. Ooh, tell me more. What do you mean by choices? Like, at first, when you first fall in love, it's all feelings. And okay. like It's like all passion. And you just really want to be around this person all the time. And you want to, like, hear everything they ever have to say. And then, you know, your brain likes new stimulus. So, like, 
when it's new, you're just, it's all you're ever thinking about. But once like you're getting to the routine of the relationship, you start changing as a person, love becomes more of a choice in that you, like you still on some level, it's still emotional, but like you choose to want to be around this person and you choose to want to support them and help them in their own lives and like choose to accept their support for your life. Hot damn, Callie. <laughs> that was incredible. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Yeah, really profound. I mean, I feel like most things in life are just a choice that you make. Like, give me another example. <laughs> Education? Jobs? Yeah, like, you, for the most part, can choose what you want to do with your time and with your life and where you want to put your resources. Like, it's not super great of a choice because like money has to be involved so like if you don't have a whole lot of money there's not very many choices for you Mm -hmm. but like you can choose how you're going to spend your time in a day and you can choose how you're going to view the world at large and you can choose how you're going to feel about things to a certain extent for the most part you can choose to be happy and productive in a day there are going to be days where you're not going to be able to choose that but for the most part, you can be just like sheer determination, be like, okay, I'm going to work on this thing that I want to work on today with my free time, or I'm going to choose to watch a TV show with my free time, or I'm going to choose to sleep with my free time. And any of those paths could set you on a completely different path in your life. So like for the most part, your life is just a series of choices that you make every day. Hmm. I like it. It's one of those things that sounds really profound, but is also just kind of an obvious thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I... I think what's not obvious and what I haven't even heard anyone verbally break down is the difference between that initial falling in love where it's an emotional kind of lustful passion toward that person where you are attracted to the newness of it and then the eventual process of choosing to maintain that. It's like that initial love for you is important enough to me that I choose to allocate my resources and my my time towards you because I feel like you are worthy of my resources and my time, if that makes any sense. Yes, this is why your relationship is going so well. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this relationship has really changed my outlook on life. And like, it's wow. like I've never been in such a long-term relationship, so I'm still figuring things out. We're figuring things out as we go. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, we're both we're both super honest with each other. We both think communication is super important. So we talk about all this stuff all the time and we tell each other like almost everything that happens in a day because we genuinely, genuinely want to know like what's going on in each other's lives and how we are feeling about things. And we don't have any of the fear of like, we don't have any fear of judgment from each other. Like if I tell him how I'm feeling, I don't, I have no fear that he's going to judge me for those feelings. He's just going to want to help me work through them and vice versa, you know? So, like, I feel like all the best relationships work out because you're honest with each other and you communicate with each other. Yeah. Those are the two most important things. Well, and how amazing that you're living without shame, at least from him, Mm -hmm. right? That Mm -hmm. you feel like you could say whatever you need to about making your peace. That's really special. So, okay, have you had the conversation about monogamy? We are both, you know, we both highly value monogamy. Like, it's another thing where if for other people, if you want to be polyamorous, I'm totally okay with that. But, like, we 
want this to be exclusive. So have you also talked about revisiting the conversation if you ever want to have relationships with other people so that it's not, you know, that you have a desire to cheat? I'm sure he would absolutely be open to having that conversation if we needed to. I just think at this point in our relationship, we don't feel like we need that yet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What else should we all know about you? I don't know. What do you think I should tell everyone? (laughs) Oh, I know. I want to know about your sex education. Oh, oh, man. Oh, man. (laughs) I mean, I grew up in an abstinence-only education environment. So, yeah, so all of my high school education was abstinence-only education, and that didn't work out very well because our school had a very high rate of pregnancy. But, Um... you know, from that standpoint and then also from a religious standpoint, like purity was a big thing. For both men and women, but especially for women. But luckily the like purity talks that I had with religious people were probably the best that it could get in that situation where the sector of Christianity that I come from is a big believer in that are we're saved through faith and not through works. So like we can't we are inherently sinful beings in this okay. sector of Christianity. So we could never get ourselves to heaven through our own works but because god is so good that he is the one that cleanses cleanses us of our sin it makes it so we can go to heaven so you can never sin your way out of heaven there's nothing like terrible enough that you could do that god could not cleanse you of so the purity talks that i was given was like you should not have sex before marriage but if you do and you're repentant of it or or if you've been raped and you're really upset God can cleanse you of that and make you pure and whole again. So like you're never too far gone to a point where God cannot make you better. Whoa. So like it was one of those things where like, hey, if you've already had sex before marriage, you're not a lost cause. It's okay. God still loves you. On one hand, it was like super shameful if you had sex before marriage willingly. But like if you did and you felt really bad about it, it was going to be okay, I guess. What if you didn't feel bad about it? What if you were like, okay, I'm a human being. That means I'm sinful and there is nothing I can do to send my way out of heaven. So I'm going to have tons of sex but still believe in God. That's kind of the catch with it. (laughs) I think you kind of have to be in this sect of Christianity. You have to be repentant of your sin. Okay. You can't just go around murdering people and being like, it's okay. I'm going to go to heaven. You have to like want to not sin. You want to have to be able to follow Christ and his example and stuff. But anyway, that's that's the whole, <laughs> that's where I came from. And then... That was for everything. There was no point where anybody taught you about condoms, STIs. Oh, I was taught about STDs for sure in high school. Oh, you were? That was part okay. of the, here's reasons why you should not have sex. Part okay. of the abstinence-only education. With scare tactics and yeah. images. We were told that condoms while they prevented pregnancy could not prevent you from STDs because the HIV virus is small enough to fit through the tiny holes in a latex condom that actually don't exist. But that's what we were told. (laughs) And then they ended the they ended sex week with a slideshow showing you all of the photos of genitals that had been mutilated by STIs of various forms. But that was optional. So I ended up in the back just taking a nap during that hour because I didn't want to see it. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, it was mostly scare tactics. Wow. And this seems to be like the norm for most people my age. It is, yeah. 
I had someone tell me that they were told that condoms would give you STDs or STIs. How does that even work? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I was already like sitting in that class willing to call bullshit on the condoms not preventing AIDS thing. Because I'm like, isn't that the thing that stopped the AIDS crisis? Was that we started giving away free condoms? Like, <laughs> But I didn't have the balls to actually say that out loud because I was a good, good Christian girl. But but yeah, so that was where most of my sex education came from. And then once I started, once I left the church, I started having a more sex positive view on the world. And like through YouTube and through social media, mm-hmm. got more sex education through that. And I remember when Sex Explanation started and Hank Green, like, had a video on Vlog Vlog Brothers being like, hey, we're starting this new sex show. And I was like, oh, that's be a really good resource, but not right now because I'm not having sex. (laughs) So then when I started my current relationship that October and started having a lot of sex, I was like, I know nothing about sex and need to know all the things. So I just started (laughs) binge watching Sex Explanations because I didn't know where else to go. (laughs) Oh, Callie, that's amazing. I didn't know that. I didn't so, know you were a nerd fighter. Mm-hmm. Oh, I started watching Vlogbrothers in like 2011, I think. Yeah, I got to Vlogbrothers through Charlie McDonald, who I started watching in 2010. Ah, it's kind of weird working here now, having been watching Vlogbrothers and Michael Aranda's stuff all through high school, and now wow. I'm a college graduate and I work for all these people now. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I feel like there there's a group of us in the office who are like that. I think mm-hmm. the majority of people were not nerd fighters who came in, but there are some of us. I identify as one of them. I used to watch Vlogbrothers when I was writing uh, sex ed lesson plans for uh, an online group out of L.A., and I would get lonely and bored working by myself. And so I looked up animal videos, and their top ten animal power moves came up, and I was so hooked and so in love. And, uh, yeah, then then here. So that's so fun. <laughs> cool. We're both nerd fighters. What is your Hogwarts house? Ravenclaw. Ah, Gryffindor. Pottermore tried to give me Gryffindor once, and I was like, no. So I, What? Yeah, I took the test, and they told me I was a Gryffindor, and I'm like, that's not true. I'm you definitely You can't reject Ravenclaw. Pottermore? Oh, I can. <laughs> <laughs> so then I put in a different email and did it again, got Ravenclaw, and I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's the right house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I actually have a theory. So I took this class in college that was all about identity and all the different ways people identify themselves. Ooh, it's a really good class. Yeah. And so we had to write a paper on all the ways we had, how we identify. So we had like a certain list of stuff that we had to check off for this paper. And then okay. we had to add two more. And I added how a lot of people in my generation identify by their Hogwarts house. Like that's like a super important thing that you know what Hogwarts house you in, yep. you're in. Like, if you try to tell someone that their Hogwarts house is different than what they feel their Hogwarts house is, it's, like, really important to them that you know you get the right house. Like, it was really important. <laughs> I had done, identified as a Ravenclaw since, like, middle school when I first read the books. And when I someone tried to tell me I was a Gryffindor, I was like, no, I'm definitely a Ravenclaw. This is important. So, like, wow. it's super interesting to me that people, like, just this kid's book series that we all read as children has become so important that we use our Hogwarts house as part of how we identify ourselves to other people. That's amazing. What a cool class, too, to get you thinking about that. It was really cool, yeah. And good answer on you. Are you going to tell us what the second one is? I don't remember what the second one was. 
It wasn't as important as my Hogwarts house. <laughs> <laughs> because to you, what is a Ravenclaw? Like, what parts of it speak to you the most? Um, that they value information. It's not really intelligence. It's more learning. Like, mm. we really like learning new things and trying new things. And that's how we figure out our place in the world mm -hmm. and like just how we like interact with things is just by learning as much as we can about things so that we can use them in our lives. Are you friends with Maya? I've met her a couple of times. She does Sexplanation's YouTube show the way that mm -hmm. you do the podcast. And I think she's a Ravenclaw too. And two of you have a, I've, anyway, there's a lot I think you have in common from what little I know about both of you where I just feel like I'm in a really safe space when I'm around you that you can help direct me if I need if I've done something wrong or I need to do something better but also you're giving me space to experiment and to learn and yeah oh so many good people in my life this is very nice thanks for hanging out with me thanks for having me <laughs> telling me more about you I think now I'm gonna make a habit out of learning something new about you every time we do a show just have a little <laughs> segment. Wonder if we'll ever run out of things. Called Curious About Callie. Um, I also want to thank Todd, who's doing the sound <laughs> recording for Cinema Studios and Complexly today, and to Count Buggy for the jingles. And um, oh, you know what? We can't do that yet. We need to get, do kegels and... Uh, we haven't done kegels. We need to do a sextra credit thing. Feel your kegels if you're able. Main squeeze. I just want everyone to know that every time we do kegels on this show, I do them three times as much as every show. Because <gasps> I hear the show three times, and I do kegels every time I, we get to that segment. You do? I do. <laughs> you are the baddest of the badasses. That's awesome. I can't believe we almost forgot to do kegels. Okay. Well, what is your favorite way we've done them? We'll do them that way. Oh, man. Um, well, on the podcast that I'm editing for you right now was the one where we did them in a way that felt like we were going up and down an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I will count them. So we'll count eight, hold eight, count down eight, and you can feel your pelvis going up and down the elevator with us in this ether of space. Todd's just looking at us like, what the fuck are you two talking about? <laughs> you're doing great, Todd. Participate. It'll be good. Okay, here we go. So you're going to squeeze for the eight counts, hold that squeeze for eight counts, and then relax that squeeze for eight counts. One... Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Hold one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Relax. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It really does feel like going up and then kind of walking across a plank or something and then coming down. All right, we'll do one more. Um, squeeze. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Hold. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Relax. Eight. Seven, six, 
five, four, three, two, one. Yeah? Any extra credit you can think of? Assignments are not always bad, so here's some extra credit. Now that all the blood is in your groin. <laughs> Uh, I like the idea of them listing out all the ways that they can think of that they identify as a person. Ooh. There'd be gender, orientation, race, uh, Hogwarts house. Okay, do you want to give a number? Ten. Ten? Only ten? Wow, okay. Then everybody should be able to do this extra credit homework from Callie. All right, Callie, you're so awesome. Thank you for listening to me four times a week, three times a week. <laughs> Thanks for having Eight me. Eight times. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's really special to get to work with you. And while I am continuing to learn who you are and don't know you fully, I am very grateful that you have been so sex positive and holding space for all of us to, to learn and have this show. It's really cool. Thank you. And then, Todd, thank you for recording today for Cinema Studios and Complexly and Count Boogie. Thank you for the jingles. Uh, To all of our patrons, all of you listening, to our sponsors, uh, we really appreciate you. And Cora and Paro, I'm still learning.